Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today we have a great story of someone becoming a lunchtime detective and getting a coworker fired. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, revenge on my mean best friend. Some friendships are built to last forever. It doesn't matter how early or late in life you meet them. Sometimes you just know that they're built to last. Other times, you think that a friend will last forever, but they just end up being the one to break your heart. I'm a 22-year-old black American female, and my now ex-best friend Sam is a 22-year-old white female. Sam and I have known each other since before we were born. Our mothers met at the antenatal clinic because they were dressed similarly and were both new to town. Coincidentally, they also lived in the same neighborhood and took walks together, cooked together, and did a lot of other things with each other. Sam and I were both three months apart, with her being older and me being obviously younger. The age dynamic played no part in our life, however, as I grew up in a household that prioritized speaking up for rights. I was quick to speak and was very outspoken about things I didn't like. Sam was more on the quiet side, being the one to calm me down when things seemed to be getting out of hand. Even as a young preschooler, I understood injustice pretty well enough to speak up on it. I was scrawny, but I didn't let the bigger kids push me or any of my friends around. As I grew, I began to recognize passive-aggressive, racially charged situations. While I was one to call people out on it, Sam chose to stay out of it because she didn't know much on the subject and liked to stay out of things that wasn't any of her business. Now that I think about it, that was a very weird response, seeing as she was best friends with a black person. Still, I wasn't one to need anyone to fight my battles, as I fought them and other people's own pretty well. Sam's parents were my second parents. They were there for me when my father battled cancer and my mother stayed with him in the hospital. They were there physically and emotionally when I started failing classes due to undiagnosed dyslexia, and they even took me to get it checked out for a proper diagnosis. Where my parents were a little more strong-handed with raising me, and I don't blame them because they were black parents with a black child, living in a predominantly white area, Sam's parents were a little kinder. I saw Sam as an extension of her parents, so even while she was out with her other friends and had zero idea of the things I went through, her parents were kind to me and so she was kind to me as well. The summer before our freshman year of high school, my mother switched from her office job to become a hairdresser opening up her town place barely a block away from where we lived. The main reason was so that she could keep an eye on my recovering father and me. She also loved hairdressing, so it was no big deal for her. Almost automatically, she became mine and Sam's permanent hairdresser, making us promise to let her try new styles out with our hair. Now, I've got good hair, a full head of coily 4C hair that's as long as the middle of my back when stretched out. Sam had long, dirty blonde hair that was almost always in a ponytail, but still it was healthy hair. Whenever I didn't have my hair stretched or braided to school and took my afro instead, I would get stares. After a while, I started to notice that my classmates would scoot away from me, giggle and laugh when I passed by. It went on for a few weeks until the school nurse called me in to check for lice, because apparently there was a rumor that I had lice. Let me clarify again that I was the only completely black student at school. The only other person was a mixed race Japanese girl. 
I had no idea she was mixed race until her father came to pick her up one time in elementary school. As someone who never let things go, I investigated the case to find out who had been spreading those rumors about me. It turned out to be my best friend, Sam. When I confronted her, she swore that it was just a joke that had been taken out of context. I obviously believed her because she was my best friend. We started to really drift apart in sophomore year when I joined the journalism club. I became friends with a different group of kids and we got along really well together. I even got closer to the club's head, who was a class above me and also played basketball. We went on a few dates together before becoming official. I told Sam during a sleepover, but begged her not to tell anyone, as it was still under wraps. By the end of the week, the entire school knew my little secret. My new boyfriend was fine with it, but it made me incredibly uncomfortable that my own best friend wouldn't know how to keep a secret from me. Again, I confronted Sam and she brushed it off, saying everyone already knew anyway and it wasn't much of a secret as I thought it was. At that moment, I knew that I either had to stop telling Sam really important things or find a way to change her. Stupidly, I decided that the latter would be easier because not only was she my childhood friend, she was my best friend for Pete's sake. There had to be a way. My boyfriend and I were together for nearly eight months and we broke up after I wrote an article on black hair and its significance for the school's newly launched online magazine. A lot of the comments from other person of color students supported the article, but the majority thought it was too aggressive and somehow felt threatened by it. One of them, who was Sam. It caused a huge discourse among the journalism team on whether to keep the article up or take it down, and when I pushed for it to stay up, It caused a fight between my boyfriend and I. We argued for a whole week and then he broke up with me for being too stubborn and dramatic about something so simple. He also wanted to get me kicked off the team, but the teacher who headed the club refused it. I was heartbroken and spoke to my best friend about it, and despite being comforting and doing all the things like watching sappy movies with me and eating copious amounts of junk food, she also let me know just how much she hated that I was dating him. In the moment, it felt good to hear her say it because I assumed that she missed me. However, in retrospect, I think she meant it in a completely different way. I didn't get with anyone until senior year, when it was time to choose colleges. Sam and I had always wanted to go to California together, so we applied to the same universities. After we got our admission, we started registrations together. During the whole orientation process, I met a cute second-year foreign exchange student who had the nicest French accent and incredibly soft, fluffy hair. We got along as friends pretty well, and although I fell really hard for him, I wanted to take it slow. I desperately wanted to tell Sam, but I had my reservations based on past experiences. During that time, I wondered whether or not to tell her. She let me know that she was in a relationship and needed my advice. Something about her asking me softened my heart and I exchanged information about my new crush. She encouraged me to go for it and get together with him, which I did. For a while, school seemed to be going well. My relationship with my best friend was smooth sailing and I had a hot French boyfriend who wanted to be seen everywhere with me. We were together for about 7 months before my 20th birthday rolled around. My boyfriend intended to surprise me with a trip to France. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But being the person I was, it was very hard to let anything get past my nose. He decided to tell Sam instead. After all, she was my best friend. From his side of the story... Sam was against taking me to Paris, saying something about not being sure if I would fit in. He also mentioned that most of the things she said, she said them suggestively as if trying to make it seem like he was the one thinking or saying it. I was of course pleasantly oblivious while all of this was happening, simply satisfied that my best friends and my boyfriend were getting along. They even had an inside joke between themselves and that just gladdened me even more. I don't know why, but I didn't think that Sam would ever do anything to sabotage my relationship. About two weeks to my birthday, Sam started to tell me about how she didn't trust my boyfriend and that she felt he was just joking around with our relationship. She also found his old Twitter with some racist tweets and showed it to me, making me promise never to tell him that I'd found it. This was where I started to get suspicious of Sam because my boyfriend still used the same Twitter from over 8 years ago, and most of what he tweeted were gaming crap posts. I was very confused as to who to believe, so I expressed my feelings to another friend of mine. They told me to confront my boyfriend about the accusations that Sam brought forward and see what he said. The way he defended himself would let me know whether he was being honest or not. I took her advice, and just a few days till my birthday, I spoke to my boyfriend about how I felt and the things that Sam had told me. He was very red in the face as he explained that Sam had actually been trying to move on him. This was where he spilled the surprise that he had for my birthday and how Sam had discouraged him against it, saying that I didn't know how to act in public settings and that I was too loud. What broke my heart was knowing that these were things that Sam could actually do. I had deliberately blinded myself all these years because I believed that she would change. But hearing my boyfriend talk... I realized that I'd been fooling myself. Still, I wanted to hear from the horse's mouth and set up a meeting with them both, asking them to be honest or I would never speak to them again. That was when Sam went on a long rant about how you didn't deserve someone like him because girls like me ended up pregnant at 15 and girls like her were the ones who got with boys like him. She said many other things that I would like to not recall, but they were mostly racially charged, and it was so sad seeing all the hatred on her face. Sadness turned to anger when she started admitting to some really crappy things that she had done without my knowledge, and I made it a point to get back at her. After the huge confrontation, it was like a film had been removed from my eyes. I began to see that Sam really wasn't a good person. She did drugs recreationally, skipped classes, and messed around with professors. She also had a few cases of assault and drunk driving to her name, but because she had money, she was able to silence the people she had hurt. I spent an entire weekend compiling evidence on all the BS that she had been involved in, which was well over a year's worth, and I sent them to the school and her parents. Anonymously, of course. She was kicked out of the school and taken to a smaller, more compact rehabilitation center in a desert in Utah. 
where she was diagnosed with nymphomania, alcohol and drug abuse, as well as some other behavioral issues and would be watched all the time. Did I feel bad after? Yes, I felt absolutely horrible that I did something so life-changing to get back at the girl who was supposed to be my best friend for being racist to me and attempting to steal my boyfriend. But in order to justify my actions, I always tell myself that if I didn't do it, maybe she would have gone too far. I'm 22 now and just graduated from college. My boyfriend and I are still together and we're taking a year to travel around Europe. Sam got out of the rehab center about a year ago and started attending community college close to home. Honestly, maybe this is for the best, you know, she got kicked out and she was able to go to a rehabilitation center. Hopefully they were able to get some help for all of these behavioral issues that really kind of culminated in this happening to them. That said, our next story is the story of how I became the lunchtime detective and got my coworker fired. To be fair, the betrayal was the catalyst of this story. Well, maybe it was her taking me to be a fool in my kindness. Of course, I might not belong to the streets in this treacherous journey we call life, but one thing I agree with from their perspective is that there is a no sane justification as to how those who play with fire do not deserve to get burned. I made sure revenge was the consequence of her actions. My coworker got a little too close to the fire and she lost her job in the process. And honestly, while there are days that I feel a little bit bad for how the whole scenario ended up playing out, at this moment, I don't feel a shred of distress. Not one. Now, before you gang up on questioning my moral standards, I would like you to know that she drew the first sword and caused the first blood to spill. What do I mean? Well, let me tell you how the drama played out. To set the scene of my place of work for you, I would need you to picture this. Picture your typical office filled with buzzing computers and people hard at work in their cubicles. Think of it as a place where everyone knows each other and we each try to contribute our quota in the daily grind which keeps things rolling in the total worldview of the company. Now, in the midst of that bustling workplace, there's me, Evelyn. Quite correctly, most people just call me by my second name, Alex. I'm just your regular office worker with a not-so-regular talent for cooking. I whip up lunches that could make even the most discerning taste buds dance with joy. And this isn't just me doing the talking, you can be sure that I've received compliments of this nature quite a number of times. But here's where the trouble begins. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You see, we've got this shared fridge in the office where we're all supposed to stash our lunches. It's a place where we trust each other to respect our meals and not let hunger drive us to do something foolish. But as it would turn out, not every one of us knew the code of conduct of a shared office fridge. My culinary prowess was no ordinary skill. Like most famous chefs, it was a legacy passed down through generations, woven into the fabric of my family history. I lived with my mom's father's aunt from a young age. I don't know what that would make us, but I'm sure we're family in one twisted family tree story, and I had the privilege of learning the sweet art of cooking from this said distant relative. 
From the sizzle of pans to the gentle aroma of spices, I absorb the wisdom of generations past, understanding the importance of nourishing both body and soul. Her playground was a sanctuary where flavors harmonized and secrets of deliciousness were shared. When people wondered why I take feeding with utmost priority, what they do not know is she taught me the belief that eating right was not just a matter of survival, but a means to thrive in every aspect of life. She was heck-bent on teaching me the significance of homemade meals, prepared with love and intention, and the joy of sharing those creations with others under the right circumstances. Not when it's stolen from you. I brought the culinary magic that I'd learned from a younger age to the workplace. Each day I crafted lunches that transcended mere sustenance. You could say that the meals were a perfectly harmonized symphony of flavors, carefully balanced and thoughtfully prepared. Whether it was a fragrant curry, a vibrant salad, or a comforting bowl of homemade soup, my lunches had a way they brought a touch of home to the office. The tantalizing aromas that emanated from her Tupperware containers were an invitation to savor life's simple pleasures. They were meant to be a reminder of the simple pleasures of life. But for some twisted reason, maybe we could blame fate, the simple pleasures would get me under investigation by the HR department. Do you remember when I spoke about the unspoken trust and agreement while making use of an office fridge, where it was popular knowledge that the fridge was a safe haven for your food, especially if it's homemade? Well, that trust was shattered like a fragile plate slipping through my fingers. My lunches, the ones I painstakingly prepare every day, started vanishing. Can you imagine the frustration? Opening that fridge with eager anticipation? I only find my carefully packed Tupperware containers empty like a desert devoid of flavor with nothing but scraps of my beautifully packaged food. At first, I thought it was a silly simple mix-up. Maybe someone mistook my culinary delights for their own. But as the days went by, the disappearances became more frequent, leaving me hungry and a tad bit pissed. I just found it hard to wrap my head around why, or how, my lunches were missing. As I grumbled and grumbled to my co-workers about the food thief among us, one name kept popping up. Lisa. Now, Lisa had this mischievous smile and a way of eyeing my lunches that raised suspicion in my mind. Could she be the one responsible for this outrageous lunchtime crime? I'm not ashamed to admit it. It was all conjecture. But that gut feeling refused to let go. So I decided to play detective. I became the Sherlock Holmes of lunchtime setting up my own surveillance operation to catch the sneaky culprit red-handed. I devised a plan. I strategically positioned a hidden camera near the fridge, where I thought no one would have guessed, ensuring it had a clear view of those that came to get things from the fridge and what they took out from our shared fridge. With bated breath, I waited for the lunch thief to strike once more, hoping to catch them in the act. Days turned into weeks, and my patience was wearing thin, my camera came back clean each day and as you would have guessed, so did my Tupperware. But just as I was about to lose hope, my surveillance efforts paid off. I doubled the hidden camera while leaving the one the food theft was aware of, and as I expected, they knew to avoid the one they were familiar with, leaving them open to the second camera. The footage revealed the culprit in action. It was Elisa, the very person I suspected all along. At that moment when I watched the tape, my emotions were a mix of disappointment and vindication. There she was, a mischievous glint in her eyes, carefully removing my lunch from its hiding place and devouring it as if it were her own. 
The betrayal stung, but at the same time, I felt a surge of determination to bring justice to this lunchtime thief. I knew who I had to meet up with to restore sanity during lunch hours. With the evidence in my hand, I decided to confront Lisa privately. I caught up with her in the break room during a quiet moment and calmly laid out the incriminating footage before her. At first, she denied any involvement, her eyes darting nervously, but she finally admitted the crimes that she had committed. I asked her why she chose me as a target for theft, because I knew we didn't have a history of offense between us. I really was just curious at that point. She hesitated for a moment and then muttered something about being too busy to prepare her own meals and succumbing to temptation. It was a weak excuse, but it revealed the underlying desperation and lack of consideration for others that had driven her actions. I mean, she could have easily have ordered takeout like the rest of the workers that don't come with their lunch from home, or perhaps go out with them sometimes. There was really no point in her taking my lunch repeatedly, yet I chose to be the reasonable one. I decided to let the past remain in the past, in as much as we both agreed that that would be an end to the theft. Alas, my hopes were shattered when the lunchtime thefts continued unabated. Despite our confrontation and her apparent remorse, Lisa's hunger for stolen lunches remained insatiable. It became clear that her promises were empty words, and she had no intention of seizing her thieving ways. Frustration boiled within me, fueled by a sense of betrayal and injustice. How could Lisa continue to disregard the consequences of her actions? I felt like a pawn in her game, like she took me for a weakling. I saw her as a bully. The likes of the bully you found in the corner of the road that would beat you up to collect your lunch money knowing you couldn't do anything to them? To me, she was just a modernized version of that. I refused to be a pawn in her silly game. I decided it was time to escalate the matter, and I reached out to the HR department as I should have done when I noticed the missing lunches weeks before. I made the case and gave them my suspicions and my suspect. I explained how Lisa had promised that she would desist from having a go at my food behind my back, and how that promise of hers amounted to nothing in the next few days after she gave it. They were not convinced that she was the one that continued the theft. Of course, they didn't say it in that exact manner, but they didn't have to. It was evident in how they treated the issue. They assured me that they would make their investigation and implement measures to catch the culprit in the act, ensuring that they would face the consequences of their persistent misconduct. But it was all a lie. The theft continued, Lisa denied all involvement, and the HR department was of little help rather than blow the issue out of proportion, making me out to be a bad coworker in the company. However, as it would happen, fate was on my side. One fateful day amidst the ongoing lunchtime saga, I decided to prepare a special meal for myself, and inadvertently stumbled upon a twist of fate. Little did I know that the innocent act of using my spoiled sausages would lead to an unexpected turn of events for Lisa. I'd begun packing two times my normal portion of food, just to ensure that while my insistent lunch thief took her share, there would be some left for me. That was the rhythm we fell into all through that week. Unaware of their expiration date, I happily assembled my lunch, completely oblivious to the lurking danger. The sausages, hiding the fact that they were spoilt, seemed harmless to me as I carefully added them to my meal. As the office lunch hour arrived, Lisa, driven by her perpetual hunger and disregard for the sanctity of others' meals, targeted my lunch once again. It was a routine she had mastered, seizing opportunities to satisfy her insatiable appetite. 
However, in her scheming attitude, she was oblivious to the fact that something was off with the food. She took large chunks of my meal containing the spoiled sausages, innocently assuming they were a delectable part of my culinary creation. Within minutes, discomfort took hold of Lisa. The spoiled sausages wreaked havoc on her digestive system, leaving her running in and out of the restroom, desperately seeking relief. Little did she realize that the very meal she stole would become her torment. As fate would have it, it was unfortunately not any ordinary day for Lisa. She had an important meeting scheduled, a crucial pitch to secure a major client, but the tumult in her stomach was unrelenting and it would not be silenced for the sake of professional obligations. As the meeting commenced, Lisa's stomach churned and she struggled to maintain her composure. The intensity of the situation magnified her discomfort, and in a moment of distress, she could no longer hold back the consequences of her stolen meal. The meeting room became a stage for unexpected noises and rapid exits as Lisa's urgent bathroom trips disrupted the poise and professionalism that you would expect of such an occasion. While it would have gone with laughter, the client didn't find it funny in the least. In any case, the representatives were baffled and repulsed by the unexpected turn of events. They lost faith in the professionalism of the company and retracted the deal they were to sign with the company in that instant. The higher-ups were intimidated by HR that Lisa had a pending issue with company etiquette and were enraged by the disastrous outcome of the crucial meeting. They demanded an immediate investigation into the events that transpired, seeking to understand why such an embarrassing incident had occurred, probably because she was caught alone in the heat of the crossfire. Lisa, desperate to protect herself from the consequences of her actions, accused me of intentionally poisoning her lunch. The accusations sent shockwaves through the office, casting doubts and suspicion upon me. In response to the allegations, the HR team launched an investigation into the matter, determined to uncover the truth. Both Lisa's claims and my side of the story were carefully examined, requiring testimonies and evidence to shed light on the sequence of events. As the investigation unfolded, the truth about Lisa's lunchtime thefts began to surface. Numerous witnesses came forward, sharing their own experiences of stolen lunches and corroborating my claims against Lisa's persistent misconduct. Sometimes it was little snacks from the pantry that didn't belong to her. Other times it was missing drinks. It became clear that Lisa's actions were driven by a pattern of disregard for others' belongings. With the mounting evidence and testimonies, the HR team reached a decisive conclusion. Lisa's termination was not only justified by the recent incident, but also supported by a history of workplace policy violations. Her employment was terminated, bringing an end to her disruptive presence in the office. As for me, I emerged from the investigation with my reputation intact, vindicated by the evidence against Lisa. Of course, there are people that still think I had made the lunch that day, knowing Lisa had a crucial meeting, but I didn't. Was I happy my coworker lost her job in the process? Of course, I'm not. But if that's what she gets for being inconsiderate, how's that my fault? How could they blame me? The good part in all of this is that I get to walk towards the position of my Tupperware each day knowing that I would meet my lunch intact. This is just one of those situations where you decided to have a decent level of revenge and the timing just worked out to take it nuclear. 
Opie had no idea that such a crucial meeting was going to happen, and I mean, in most situations, if you have digestive issues during a meeting like that, companies usually aren't going to go, oh, I can't trust this company, their worker has digestive issues. But it all blew up in her face. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.